is it this time already? Did I miss daylight savings time? I'm sorry you have to see me in my pajamas. I thought that I would have chance to run through my sermon once more this morning to practice, but you're gonna think I'm unprepared. You're gonna think I'm ready, not ready to go to work. Are you prepared? You know, in the life of every Christian, there is a great, a great turning, a twisting that has to take place. When, when people come to Christ, they come to Christ for a variety of reasons. For some folks, a person has spoken to them about the word of the Lord and, and they've been convinced that the gospel is true and so they accept Christ into their lives and the changes begin. For other folks, they see what the power of the gospel has done for somebody else. They see the change that has been wrought and they say, I want that for me. And they embrace the change based on what they see in, in somebody else. For some folks, they, they see the lively fellowship of the church and they feel like they want to be a part of that family. They want to embrace the family of God Sometimes we experience great trial or difficulty. Maybe it's not even a great trial or difficulty. Maybe it's just something small, but it's enough to catch our attention and wake us up to the fact that life isn't nearly as secure as we thought it was. And we have to reassess and take inventory. And, and in that process, the truth of the gospel begins to become clear to us. It may just be that we have some unusual experience of the presence of God or the action of God in our lives and it just, it changes our perception of reality. But in truth, all of those reasons really are me reasons. I want to enter the kingdom. I want this kind of lifestyle. I want to be different. I, I want, and. These are all me reasons, self-centered reasons for coming to Christ. And that's not bad, that's necessary. If there wasn't some reason for us to do this that impacted our lives, we wouldn't ever come to Christ. So it's appropriate for there to be me reasons. But unless we get twisted out of that mindset, unless there's a turning in us we never ever get out of our pajamas. The staff and I are reading a book by Evelyn Underhill right now called Ways of the Spirit. And in that book, she's talking about the motivation people have for different religious activities. And because we're in a section of the book dealing with praying, she uses uh, that as an example. She says, people pray for lots of different reasons. Some like the feeling of unity that they get when they're praying with other Christians. Some people like knowing what's going on and also like knowing that there are other people struggling with the same issues they're struggling with and so prayer is sort of like a solidarity session. Some folks just like being known 
by a few other people that they trust. Some folks like the feeling they get when they're in God's presence. And so they chase the experience of praying and they love prayer. But Evelyn reminded us this week that the the test of the soul's growth in holiness is not the experience of prayer that God gives us, but rather what that experience propels us to do once praying is done. That's that's the heart of the twist. That's the heart of the turning. It expresses itself in lots of different ways. Do I attend church because of how it makes me feel or what that's for my kids, or do I attend church because it is here that I am changed and enabled to serve the world? Do I tithe my income because the promises of the word are that God will bless me, and those are the promises of the word? Or because I am enabled through that Christian practice to be a bearer of the kingdom of God in participation with Christ to change the world around me? Do I read my Bible in order to unearth gems of wisdom that I can apply to my life so that I can have a greater level of success? Do I read my Bible because it enables me to serve the world with integrity and keep me in step with the Holy Spirit's will for my life? Is it about me? Or is it about others? Even the day of Pentecost, this great Christian holiday that we celebrate today, you have to ask yourself, what is it about? Is it about this emotional outpouring of the Spirit of God where we have this great experience of seeing folks speak in other tongues and we get to see God move in miraculous ways? Or did it happen for a reason? I mean, what were the words that Jesus spoke that Gary read previously? Wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father is given, and when the Spirit comes, you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the world. Did you catch that? When the Spirit comes, he will enable you, he will give you the ability to be his witnesses, to do his work. So is the celebration of Pentecost about the warm, fuzzy, emotional feelings we have that's attached to it? Or is it about being fit for service? This is the great twist that every Christian must face. You might say, are we supposed to ignore the benefits that come from being a part of the family of God? Certainly not, certainly not. When we obey God, when we are on mission with God in the world, there are amazing benefits that accrue to us. Our lives are enriched and it's a a wonderful journey, but the problem is this. We humans are such self-centered creatures 
that we often want the benefits without the obedience that precedes them. And so we seek the benefits and ignore the obedience. We want the power of the Holy Spirit. We just don't want to be witnesses. We want the joy of prayer, but we're not sure we want to do the work that prayer propels us to do. We want the social engagement of the church, but we're not quite so sure. We want to deal with all the issues that come from living in close proximity with smelly humans who misbehave. We want to support the ministry of the church, but we're not sure we want to support all the way to tithing because that would mean there are things I couldn't get for myself. We want to define by ourselves the limit of our obedience to the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that God can't use you before this twist takes place. I can't say that the life of a Christian doesn't have joy before this turning is accomplished in you. I think the best analogy I can give you is sort of like what happens when your teenage son gets his driver's license. You know, your teenage son gets his driver's license and that license allows him to drive on any road in the whole United States. Except that mom said you may only have the car to go straight to the grocery store and back. And in that situation, the license is only good for the road between your house and stop and shop. We want to determine the limits of our obedience to the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on humanity. And the people who were there who were obedient to that spirit proclaimed with power the good news of Jesus Christ and 3,000 people were saved that day. The spirit was given for the mission and that same spirit wants to work in your life. He wants to give you the power to embrace this great twist. He wants to invite you to abandon yourself to him. He wants you to promise to obey him. And he wants you to let him out of the cellar of your house. You know what I mean by that, right? You, know, you get, you get a, a house guest that comes in and you, you invite them in, but you sort of have expectations about where they're gonna go. I mean, we didn't make the bed this morning, so we just closed the door to the bedroom. We don't anticipate the guests are going in the bedroom, right? And, and, and when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our homes, it's sort of like we let him come in, but then we have to start wondering, what's he gonna do 
now that he's in here. I mean, he's not gonna rearrange the furniture, is he, or change the order of the spices in the kitchen cabinet. I mean, that would throw a wrench in your cooking, wouldn't it? I mean, what, what's the spirit? You know, it's probably safest just to let him have the basement and hang out down there where he can't do too much damage, where he can't mess with our lives too much, right? But this twist, this turning is about opening the cellar door and saying, the house is yours. Make yourself at home. In fact, order the place the way you like. You want to move the furniture? I'm good with that. You want the time in front of the sage? I'm good with that. You want to bring order to the bedroom? I'm, I'm good with that. The Holy Spirit wants to invite you to change out of your self-indulgent pajamas and put on a hearty pair of work clothes. I've got to change. I'm getting tired of these pajamas. Gracious Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence here and the choices that you set before us. And we ha have to confess that too often we've just been in it for what we can get out of it. Too often we've unconsciously or subconsciously limited the work of your spirit in our lives. Forgive us for that, Lord. We want to step up into the broad meadow of your grace where your spirit has freedom to take us where you will and to do with us as you will, and to enable us to bear the kingdom of God in cooperation with you, rather than limiting your work in us based on what we would permit. Forgive us for our selfish ways. And enable us by your grace to obey you in all things, to surrender all that we are to you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray you would pour yourself into our lives in new ways today, that you would anoint us again with your presence in area in every area of our lives. And, and Lord, if there are areas of our lives that we have sealed off from you, show us that today. Shine the light of your truth into every area of our lives and make it clear to us 
where we're holding back. And help us to embrace you with reckless abandon, knowing that you know what's best for us and you desire to bless us and to use us in, as partners who have been empowered to witness to the living Christ. Father, you, you know how far our culture and society is from this. You know, we live in a day of competing claims and almost gospel spread everywhere. But we pray for a fresh unveiling of your truth, of a new revelation of your love and compassion for humanity. We pray for justice and peace to prevail in our world. And we ask for your grace to be ambassadors of your kingdom. I pray for a special measure of your grace for those who are kneeling here today, that you would meet their need, that you would anoint them afresh and anew today, and for all of us who are assembled here. Would you refresh us, anoint us anew. Give us a deepening sense of your presence. Make us what you want us to be. You are the potter, we are the clay. Put us to what you will and we will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Help us to pray the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.